And let me start off by saying the greatest encouragement that any of us have is that the God who created this universe would want to know us, would want to be in a relationship with us, would make a way for that to happen at great cost to himself. And see, that is how he feels about you. Everybody that's here. And you know, we struggle with that in our lives because we live very challenging lives. And we struggle with the thoughts of a God that's so holy and so magnificent and beautiful and wonderful and powerful would want to have anything to do with us. But be encouraged because he does. And what what causes or what keeps us from being in fellowship with God from the very beginning, sin has been dealt with, has been taken care of. The victory over that has been won. And so he has been able to remove that which would keep us from being able to have a relationship with him. But still he gives us the choice. And see, that is the love that God has for his creation. Not forcing us, not forcing our hand, not making us, but giving us the opportunity to choose to be in a relationship with him. He doesn't force himself on anyone. Does that mean anything to anybody out there this morning? We're, not for, we're forced to do a lot of things in this world. We're forced to pay taxes. <laughs> uh, we're forced to go to school. Uh, we're forced to earn a wage so that we can survive. You know, there's lots of other things we could say. But one thing we're never forced to do is to enter into a relationship with, with God through Jesus. But he has provided that in a most eloquent and heartbreaking way, really. And that even in that is a demonstration of how much he loves you, which we should be encouraged by. Let me encourage our, our folks that came out yesterday. I don't know if you noticed when you pulled in, we've got mulch around the trees up the drive and in various areas that needed mulch. Uh, there's been some parking lot repair that has been done, a sealing of some cracks and other things that were done. And a lot of work was done yesterday. And some people thrive in that type of an atmosphere. They know what to do. They, they come, they, they get on it, get it done. And I believe it is in no small part due to the fact that Tammy Lutz was here yesterday cracking the whip. And, uh, and there, there are some pictures on our Facebook page and uh, I didn't get pictures of everybody that was here and I apologize for those that I missed. I know I missed a couple. Uh, but I did get one, maybe two pictures of also of Supervisor Josh sitting in his chair giving instructions. So there was no way that, that you could have come out yesterday and not gotten anything done with two supervisors from the Lutz family. I don't know. But they did a great job. And as you pull out today, take a look and see how good it looks. Uh, we've got some things, other things we're going to be working on later. Uh, and we'll get those done in time, in due time. But I just want to encourage those that were able to come. You know, some, some of us are not good in situations like that. We kind of shy away from coming because we don't know if what we have to offer is of any worth. Um, we don't, we're not comfortable with a pitchfork or a shovel in our hand. Uh, and if you fall into that category, don't beat yourself up. 
But if you would have wanted to come just to hang out yesterday, that would have been okay too. See, this is not a place of judgment and this is not a place of look at what I'm doing and look at what you're not doing. Can I get an amen there? We're, we're, we're a family here, right? Amen. And that's not the case in a lot of churches. I want to tell you a little story here. Uh, there was uh, this pastor and he felt led to leave a church and start in another ministry elsewhere. And so they had a, uh, they had a, a dinner in his honor the Sunday that he was leaving. And one of the founding members of the church was just distraught and devastated and just looked like, you know, she'd lost her, her last friend. And she just didn't look like anything was going to make her happy again. And the pastor looked at her. And he walked up to her and he said, don't be sad. The next preacher might be better than me. And she looked at him and said, well, that's what they said before you came, but it just keeps getting worse and worse. Those aren't, those aren't very encouraging words, are they? But don't, don't raise your hand, but can you see yourself saying something like that one day? Don't, don't raise your hand. But have you said stuff like that before? Have you thought it? Have, have those words made it out of your mouth? I think a lot of us would say, yeah, we've said some discouraging things, but we all need encouragement. We all need encouragement. Again, this life is very challenging to live uh, for everybody. You know, some, sometimes I think we look at our own lives and we think nobody has it as bad as we do. But you know that old saying, you know, you don't know what somebody's going through until you've walked a mile in their shoes. And you don't see what happens behind closed doors. And you don't know what a person is struggling with or dealing with. Because the enemy is on all of us. And he knows the avenues that we go down to, that lead us to sin, that lead us to discouragement, that lead us to depression. But, but Jesus came and did what he did to free us from all of that so that we can know who we are in Christ. We can know how he, God views us and we can be free of those things. We all need somebody to lift us up. <clears throat> I read another story about a church that had decided to, do, decided to do a major renovation in their 35-year-old sanctuary. And so the announcement was made that if anybody wants to come and, and be part of the demolition team, then you need to be here on such and such a day. And so that day, like 40 people came and they tore down walls, they pulled up carpet, they did something to the, tore down the ceilings and, and they dismantled the platform at the front of the church and there were people of all shapes and all sizes and all ages that had come to destroy and tear down and be a part of this demolition team. And one reason why so many people had come is because you don't really have to have a lot of skill to tear something down, do you? Just give me a hammer and, let, and, and you start beating away. And it it's not really, doesn't require a lot of skill. But then the next phase of, of fixing up the sanctuary involved building up. And so people were needed that had skills and people that were trained that knew how to construct and they knew how to build and, and refurbish. And it was going to take more, more skill and more know-how to be a part of this team than the demolition team. Because anybody can tear something down, but not everybody can build something up. Would you agree to that? And so is the case when we have our relationships with one another. You know, sometimes we say and do things that build people up. Sometimes we say and do things that tear people down, do 
you build? Do I build? Or do you tear down? Do you demolish? And do, do I demolish? What a legacy to be able to be known as a person who was an encourager. Does anybody here know anybody that's an encourager? Have you been encouraged today? I think about our Sunday school teachers. I think about how they stand before you after having read scripture and studied and prayed and asked the Lord for direction and wisdom because they have learned something that they know will be of an encouragement to you and they want to share it with you and they want to share it in a way that will show you what a great God you have, what a great thing he has done for you and how much he loves you. And what an encouragement it is to be under the teaching of a teacher like that. But it, it would be great if we would all just be encouragers all the time. And like I said earlier, it has taken me a, a long time to, to see and learn how one good word of encouragement can make a difference, not just emotionally and, and spiritually in a person's life, but also physically. Encouragement is good for your health. Now, there was a study uh, that was done with children, and they wanted to see what the effects of encouraging words and gestures would have on children, as opposed to discouraging words and discouraging gestures. So these psychologists hooked these kids up with all these wires and all these leads, and that would scare me to death as a child. I'm sure it scared some of them. But then they followed that up with words of encouragement and gestures that encouraged them. And they found that when those words were spoken and those gestures were done, that that child's physical energy would increase. But when words of discouragement were spoken, the energy level would drop immediately and it would drop drastically. And this was done with children, but don't you have an idea that if they hooked us up with wires and leads and they spoke words of encouragement to us that it would have the same effect on us. And if they were discouraging to us, it would have the same effect on us. I, I truly believe that. Because again, we all need encouragement. We all like to receive encouragement. We like it on our jobs. We like it within our families and our group of friends. And we receive encouragement when we feel and know that other people care about us. That's encouraging for us when that happens. And my prayer this morning in the next few moments is that we'll be inspired, if we haven't really ever been an encourager, that we'll be inspired to be an encourager because it takes really very little effort to encourage people. So we're gonna look at one of the great, probably the greatest encourager in scripture, and I'm sure that his mind is probably pop his mind. His name, I hope his mind isn't popping up in your brain. That would be weird. His name is popping up in your brain. Who's an encourager in the Bible? Who would you think? Automatically Jesus. But have you ever heard of a man named Barnabas? We see him in the book of Acts chapter four. And that's where we're going to be this morning. Uh, reading in Acts chapter four. And we're going to talk about this man, and I want to give you a little bit of a background of what's going on at the time that this was written. If you can imagine this, the church was very young. The church had not been around long, and it was very young, and it had gotten its start in Jerusalem. And 
All the church was in one accord. They were all in one accord. Uh, that's what scripture tells us. Everybody was getting along. Everybody was together and, and single-minded in purpose. They were in one accord. And the apostles, they were preaching the word. They were teaching every day. And more and more people, and this is what's exciting to us, more and more people were believing that Jesus was the long-awaited and prophesied Messiah. Daily, people, numbers were added to the church. And people were placing their faith in Jesus and what Jesus had done on the cross. And they were excited about what they were learning and they were on fire, as we like to say, on fire for God. And they were doing things like selling their property. And they were selling their property and dispersing the, the, the benefits of that to the congregation so nobody would struggle and nobody would suffer. And if there was a need, that need could be taken care of through the sale of property because the church was in one accord and it wasn't, I, it wasn't, no, no, that's mine. You can't have it. It was, hey, I just sold this and I got some money. Let's spread it around for the benefit of the whole church. But one man was singled out from all of these that were doing that. And that's the man we're going to talk about this morning. So let's look at Acts chapter four, verse number 36. And Joseph, uh, and we can actually say there Joseph as well, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So this man's name, this man's name was Joseph. But this is the last time you will hear him called by that name because he was a man of such great encouragement that they gave him another name, a nickname, maybe. And it was Barnabas. And Barnabas means something special. It means son of encouragement. Now, does anybody here, I know I've asked this not long ago, but does anybody here have a nickname? Raise your hand if you got one. If you've ever had one, even when you were younger. Okay, hands all over the place. I've had a couple of nicknames myself. I've been named Spirit Man. And I got that name at camp because I was spirit man at camp. And, and when people talked to me at camp, they didn't say William or Mr. Church or Will or Willie or Billy or anything like that. They always called me spirit man because that's who I was. That's what they knew me by. And even if they saw me away from camp and out in public somewhere, it was always, hey, spirit man, how you doing? I have another nickname that was given to me by someone here. It's William Joe Jackson. And I get called that every now and then. If you want to know who gave me that name, come and see me after service and I'll tell you. I got some other ones, but we're not going to talk about those. Uh, but he had a name and it was given to him by the apostles and it was Barnabas and it means son of encouragement because his character as an encourager was so, so obvious and so well known that, that they changed his name. And from then on, whenever he was addressed or whenever he was talked about, he was Barnabas, the son of encouragement. And you look throughout the, the New Testament and you're going to see everywhere he went, everywhere he went, he was an encourager. Acts chapter 11, verses 22 through 24, listen to this. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came 
and had been and seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added unto the Lord. So again, the church was growing and the church was expanding and it was thought to be a good idea since the church was growing and spreading out. Let's send Barnabas because Barnabas is such an encourager and he will do such good in Jesus' name if we send him forward and let him encourage those people as well. So when you saw Barnabas and when you read about Barnabas, you know that there's going to be some encouragement that's going on around this man. And we see it in several situations, but one that I want to speak of specifically now involved the Apostle Paul and a man named John Mark. And the Apostle Paul did not want John Mark as part of his ministry because he didn't seem to keep his commitments. You know, sometimes people make a commitment. I will be there. And you expect them to be there. And then when you go and wait on them, they don't show up. And this was kind of the situation that, that Paul had with John Mark. I don't want him around. I need somebody I can count on. He made a commitment. He didn't honor it. Let's find somebody who can honor a commitment. But Barnabas wasn't of the same thought as Paul. He said, you go on. I'm going to stay here with John Mark. I'm going to hang out with him for a little while. And I want to read some scripture from Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 40. And listen to this. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. So here you might think, well, what a jerk Paul is. But do you remember the work and the benefit of the ministry of Paul and Silas? Because God had a plan there. But what about John Mark? Was there a plan for his life? I think scripture tells me that there's a plan for every life. There's a plan for your life. There's a plan for my life. But what possible plan could God have for John Mark who wouldn't honor his commitments and had to be led around by Barnabas? What could God possibly have in store for him? Well, again, Paul didn't want John Mark around because Paul thought he was a quitter that he wouldn't follow through. But Barnabas, you know what he saw in John Mark? I think this is important for us to hear. Even though others saw a quitter, John Mark, or, or Barnabas saw a man in John Mark that needed encouragement. How many of us are willing to take the time to see with the eyes of Jesus a person and their potential, what they might be able to accomplish in the name of the Lord? I tell you what, I think that his time, Barnabas' time with John Mark, I think it worked. I think it was a good thing because Mark, John Mark ended up writing one of the gospels that are in your New Testament, the book of Mark. But if he had not been encouraged, if he had not had time with Barnabas, would this have happened? 
you have to wonder, you have to ask this question. And you know, the, the, the whole thing with Paul and Barnabas and John Mark took place around 50 AD. 12 or 14 years later that Mark wrote the gospel that he wrote. And so in that time, the Lord did a work in his life, I believe through Barnabas and through the encouragement that Barnabas gave him. And I think it's important that we see that. He had something to do with that because he didn't abandon John Mark. Now we like to talk about Paul and how great Paul was and all that Paul did and all that he told us and taught us through what he said and what he did. But Paul was not a perfect man. Paul made mistakes. And I think this was one of them. But you know how God takes things and works them out for good? I think that's another one of those situations right there. We just don't know what God can do. You don't know what God can do through your words of encouragement to someone. And is it really that hard to be an encourager? I don't think so. We're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. But I think Barnabas had something to do by not abandoning him and encouraging him and spending time with him. And so he earned that name very well, Barnabas. And wouldn't you like to be called, now I know everybody's not going to like that name, but wouldn't you like to be known as a Barnabas? Wouldn't you like to be known as an, an encourager? That word encourage comes from a Greek word that, that is called parakaleo. And when you, when you translate that, it means to call to one's side, to comfort and to console and to strengthen. So when we encourage one another, when we do that, when we take the steps to do that, we walk beside somebody. We share in their life in a way of giving support and offering strength. When you are a soldier, I will be your shield. I will walk with you into the battlefield, the song said earlier. So how do you, how, how do you and how do I, how can we become encouragers? Is there a class? Is there a 10-step program? Well, first of all, to be the kind of an encourager that God wants you to be, you need to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That is of utmost importance. That is the most important thing. It will forever come from my lips that the first thing that you need to make sure of in your life before you decide what career, before you decide who you're going to marry, before you decide where you're going to live, you need to make sure that you know Jesus as a savior, a personal savior. That's of utmost importance. And then all of these other things can take place because we know that in Christ, we have everything we need for life and godliness. So we have the capacity within us to be an encourager. Are you known as a negative, what is it? Negative Nelly? Is that what it is? Are you known as a person that doesn't have anything good to say about anybody or anything, you know what? That can change. That can change. And if you have that new heart that Christ gives you when you come into a relationship with him, you want that. But sometimes we're so used to living and acting and speaking in a certain way, it seems hard to change. But these are very easy steps that you and I can take. And this is the first one. To be an encourager, encouragement must be spoken. Encouragement must be spoken. It doesn't do anything, it doesn't do any good to think about 
good thoughts of a person. Well, I'm sure I don't want to say that. It does a good thing. It's good to think good thoughts about people. But to be an encourager, those words need to be spoken. Am I telling you that you have to walk around and make everybody feel good all the time? No. That's not your responsibility and that is not a job you want to take on because you will burn out very quickly. But I think you know because of the, the sense that God gives you, that innate sense that comes through the, the Holy Spirit within you, you know when somebody needs some encouragement. And so it must be spoken. It has to be communicated. And we need to learn to speak those words to one another. Acts chapter 13, verse 15 says, And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation, any word of encouragement for the people, say it. Say on. What's going on here? This is kind of a weird verse. What would you bring that up for? Well, Paul and Barnabas again. Paul and Barnabas had just arrived in Antioch here. And they went to the synagogue on the Sabbath to worship. And this is what happened at the synagogue. People would do Old Testament readings. They would read from the Old Testament. And then people would get up and speak. They would speak on what, what had been read. And what they were doing here is they were looking at Barnabas and they were looking at Paul and they were saying, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement, give it. Why? Because people need encouragement. And we can get some of our best encouragement that we can give through the word of God. And that's what we see here. This, the people gathered there were looking for words of encouragement. And we do the same thing. We look for words of encouragement. What are the little ways that we do that? Well, how about when our kids bring home an art project and it looks like they just picked up trash and glued it on a piece of paper? Do you want to tell them that it looks like trash? Or are you going to tell them it looks good? Because you got to think about it. You got to be creative to, to pick out the right trash. And you got to be creative to put it in the right position on the paper. And you got to be creative to learn how to use the glue and all that kind of stuff. And they're looking for encouragement. Oh, that looks great. That looks beautiful. That is, that is worthy of the refrigerator. What about when they bring home a, a, a paper or a test? And it's not a perfect score, but it's better maybe than what they're used to getting. Quick to say, well, you need to bring it up some more because it's still not where it needs to be. Or, hey, I see, I see growth here. You're doing good. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. On the job. Hey, boss, I got this done. How's it look? Same thing in ministry. Same thing as a Sunday school teacher. Uh, same, you know, people are looking for that encouragement. We need those words of encouragement and that, that's going to build us up. And it's going to help us because again, this life is challenging to live and we get despair. We're in despair and discouraged by the things that are going on in our lives and we need that encouragement. And words of encouragement can also help us stay the course when we're ready to give up and somebody comes along and says, hey, I see what's going on. I'm praying for you. I'm here if you need anything. That helps us stay the course. It affirms that we're doing the right thing. And in saying that, I also have to say that when you give words of encouragement, don't make stuff up. Don't make stuff up. Don't, don't tell a lie. You need to tell the truth. You need to speak truthfully. 
about what, what's going on. Um, I found this verse just a little bit ago, so I didn't give it to you guys to put up. But this comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Let every one of you speak truth to his neighbor. Now, of course, that means speak the truth of the Word of God, but I think it also means that when you give encouragement, speak the truth. You know what this means? It means that we're going to have to pay attention to people, and we're going to have to look sometimes for things that we can say to encourage them. That's too much work. That's, that's too much work. But if you want to be an encourager and you want God to use you in that capacity, then it's going to require some thinking and letting God lead you in those moments. And, and while we speak these words, we need to speak these words of encouragement. We have to realize that it's way easier. Now, I told you it takes a little bit of work sometimes to think of something encouraging to say. But boy, it doesn't take any work at all to say something discouraging, does it? Even if it's not to that person, I can't stand that person over there. Look at what they're wearing. Look at how they're acting. They're, they're always doing that. You know, it's so easy. It just it rolls right off the tongue so easily. But let's look at what James chapter 3 Verses two through six tells us, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be great and are driven of force, fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. So the words we choose are very important. And sometimes it takes some effort to say the right thing. Again, again, because it's so easy to say the wrong thing. It's not very hard at all to be a discourager. So that, that sometimes means we're going to have to speak more slowly. We're going to have to think about what we say. Remember Thumper and Bambi? If you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. Those, those are good words. Those are wise words from a rabbit in a children's cartoon. Oh, that the cartoons of today were given such advice, right? This is something Ann Landers all said, and I think this is relevant here too, and speaking too quickly and allowing things to just roll off our tongue. She said, the trouble with talking too fast is that you're gonna say something that you haven't thought of yet. Have you ever said something you thought, did I just, did, did I just say that? I can't believe I said that. How am I going to backpedal from this? How am, I going to, how am I going to make this better? Oh, Lord, that I had not said that. <laughs> Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You know, we've heard of hoof and mouth disease. Let's not suffer from foot and mouth disease because we constantly are doing that as well. Think about what we're saying. Ask the Lord to bridle your tongue. God, help me speak words of encouragement. 
help me not to be a discourager. And to add to this even more difficulty and struggle in our day and time, we have this thing called social media. We've got Twitter or X and we've got Facebook and all these places where we can communicate to the world today how we feel and what we think about certain things and certain people. And I encourage you here too to very carefully think about what you, what you type, what you write, what you share on social media. I think we can use social media to be an encouragement, to lift people up, not to tear people down. Remember, it's very easy to tear down, but it's not that easy to build people up. And while we're speaking with our mouth, we're limited to just the people who are within earshot hearing us. When we place something on social media, it can be forever out there in the world of technology. And are there things that you have shared and things that you have typed or texted or whatever that you wish today that you had never done, never shared, because it's still causing damage we need to use our words, but also social media, the technology that we use to, to lift each other up and to encourage one another. So you got to speak the encouragement. And one more thing that we need to do to be an encourager. We need to understand that we can encourage with our actions, with the things that we do as well. You know, it's been said, actions speak louder than words. And I think that's true, but I think words and actions go hand in hand when you're being an encourager. We encourage people with the things that we do. Let me throw another example of Barnabas in the mix here. Look at uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So here we've got Saul or Paul and he's already been on the road to Damascus. He's already encountered Jesus. He's already been called to preach. He's already been called to tell other people about Jesus. But the trouble is his his, who he was before he got saved. He persecuted Christians. And so his, his reputation preceded him. So when he came into town and people heard that he was in town, they were like, oh no, the persecutor of Christians. We don't want him anywhere near us. But they say that he is now a Christian. Well, I don't care. I don't want to take a chance. This is, don't, I don't want him to be here. But what did, what did Barnabas do? See, Paul could have said, I don't think they want me there. I'm not going. I'm not going to go where I don't, where I'm not wanted. I don't want to go where they're not going to listen to what I say. Barnabas, Barnabas was like, hang on. Hey, hey, come on. Let me just, let's go. And he goes and he speaks to the apostles and he says, hey guys, I know this man. I've hear, heard him speak of his experience. I've heard him preach with power about Jesus and who Jesus is. And we need to give ear to what he has to say because his life is changed. He is different than who he was. He is a new person. He has been transformed. He is now a Christian. 
So let's listen to what he has to say. And so here we have a discouraged Paul being encouraged by the things that, that Barnabas did. Pulled him alongside him and said, hey, come on, let's go. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them and they will hear what you have to say. You know, I think about our, our young people. I think about our young people in, at school and when a new kid comes to class and what a great opportunity our, our young people have to, to approach this, this, this person and take them alongside of them. Hey, I'll take you to class. I'll introduce you to my friends. I'll show you where to go and, and where we hang out. And because I, I know it's hard being new. So I want to help you. What a beautiful picture of how God wants us to be, not just at school, but at work and everywhere else, to come alongside of someone. I'm with you. I walk this road with you. I know you get discouraged. Sometimes you don't even show your discouragement, but I believe that, that you do get discouraged. And I want to encourage you by saying this and by, by doing this. And, it's, and you know, and it's so important. That's so important. And appropriate touch is another way. A handshake. Patting somebody on the back, putting your arm around them, giving them an appropriate hug. It speaks volumes. What encouragement that gives. I don't know the times that I have needed some encouragement. And I got a card in the mail from somebody here at this church. And it was just a card. And, and the, the sentiment that was in the card had been printed in on, at the factory. And the only thing there was a name from the person who sent it. That's a big deal because it took somebody thinking about me to send that card. Then they had to buy the card. They had to address the envelope. They had to get some stamps and they had to send it. They had to send the encouragement. And you know, I get that here so much. I am so encouraged by this church. You know, a lot of things have happened, not just in this church, but most churches, if not all churches, where churches could have closed their doors. People could have given up. People could have said, you know, we just don't want to do this anymore. After COVID, it was so hard, not just for this church, but other churches to get back into the swing of things. You know, when I, when I accepted the position of pastor, I was still very, you know, I was shaky. My knees were knocking together. What am I doing? What am I doing? So much encouragement. People coming up all the time. If there's anything I can do, if there's anything you need. And then going through health issues and, and different crises and things like that and hearing people say, I'm praying for you. That's encouragement. You, you thought about it. You took the steps necessary to say it or do it. And that's being a Barnabas. And it, and it makes, the, makes the environment better. Makes the world a better place. Sometimes we think about how people don't deserve our encouragement. They've never encouraged us. Don't let that stop you. Because you never know what God can do through the encouragement that you give a person. Think about John Mark. He wasn't a committed person, but Barnabas stuck with him. And I believe it had an effect on him. And I believe he had a great part to play in Mark writing the gospel that he wrote. It's, and you know, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. 
And Sandy and I, thank you so much from the bottom of our heart, the encouragement that you give. And I can tell you that at least weekly, somebody comes and says, I'm praying for you. Big, big, big deal. That's a big deal. And the thing is, I know you're not just saying it. I know you're doing it. If I can be so bold as to say, I feel it. I know it. And see, that's what we're here for. We're here to love God and love people. And we're called to love our enemies. But sometimes we act like it's even harder to love people who aren't our enemies than to love our enemies. I see a lot of love in this church. Are there things we need to do better? Absolutely. Are there things, areas where we could be stronger? Oh, yes. But I see love. And you can tell me all day long that you love me, but you don't just say it, you show it. And you tell each other and you show it. And I see compassion and I see concern. And, that's, and we need that. We need that. I think that's why it was Adam and Eve in the garden. It could have just been Adam, but it was Adam and Eve. It was not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. And the beauty of being in the family of God is we don't have to be alone. He's given us each other. Let's take advantage of that. And look for ways that you can give encouragement to one another. The people that you're very close to and, it's, and you can almost read each other's thoughts, encourage one another. To people that you barely speak to and don't really know, give some encouragement. But as you do it, speak truth. And if you don't really know what to say, let me encourage you to go to the Word of God because it has lots of good things for us to say to one another. I thank God for every thought that he gives me of you. Would that encourage you if somebody said that to you? Even if you didn't really know them all that well, you might think you're crazy. If you knew who I was really, you wouldn't say that. We, but we all need that encouragement. I say thank you for the encouragement that you have given me. I hope that I have encouraged you. But let me encourage you by saying this as we, as we finish up. You know, I don't think that we're long for this world. I, I see things happening. I hear things all the time. We've been hearing this since I've been able to understand what people are saying, that Jesus is coming back. I've heard it. We've sung it. We talk about it. We, we, we say it without really thinking about it. Well, the Lord's going to come back soon. I believe it is going to be soon. Let me encourage you, you know, press towards the mark. Stay dedicated in what God has for you to do and look for him to come and be encouraged because when that happens, all the challenges that we're experiencing down here are going to be gone. Everybody in here is, is being challenged by something. Addiction, depression, everybody everybody here. So we are all the same and we all need the same thing. We need Jesus and we need each other. 
And the next time that you're getting ready to say something that you know shouldn't roll off your tongue, hold it back and say, God, give me something better to say. Keep me from saying that. When you're working on social media and you want to just really let somebody have it because they deserve it. Think twice about that. What can you do to build up instead of tear down? Well, they're, they're tearing people down. But what are you doing to build up? Because that's what he wants us to do. I want to finish with this illustration here. This took place back in 1945. It was during the last major offenses, offenses of World War II. And Dwight, General Dwight Eisenhower was walking near the Rhine River and he fell into step beside of a young infantryman. And the young GI seemed to be depressed. And Ike asked him, how are you feeling, son? And he said, General, I feel nervous. I don't feel good. And so Eisenhower replied, well, you and I are a good pair then because I'm nervous too. And here it is. And here's what we need to be for one another. Maybe if we just walk along together to the river, we'll be good for each other. You can be good for somebody. Yes, you can. And you may have the words and the actions that somebody needs to keep going. So if the Holy Spirit urges you to say or do those things, do them and don't hold back. Let's pray.